After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about good ones, we talk about bad ones, and we talk about ones where people say weird shit like this. What if you were unfriended by God? (laughs) How did you find it? (laughs) My name's Andrew Walsh, and that woman is Genevieve Haz. Hey, Vives. Hi, Andrew. So I am, I wouldn't say obsessed, because I don't know enough about it, but I am minorly obsessed with yeah. this new CBS show out this season called God Friended Me because yeah. it sounds like a premise for a skit making fun of a network show I, like I that. sometimes can't believe it isn't that this isn't a joke on 30 Rock right it's such a 30 Rock joke and I was uh, at my folks in Cleveland this weekend watching a football game which must have been on the CBS network and I heard a not a generic commercial for the TV show, but an actual preview for an upcoming episode. I think the one that aired yesterday, if you're here on Sunday. And it was, what if you were unfriended by God? They, what they, if <laughs> you were unfriended by so, God? So let me understand this. The show has been on for, I don't know, at most like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. And already like they've run out of ideas and they they're at... Okay, what if now... Okay, we, we did God friended me, but what if God now unfriended right. me? Like, you are running out of runway there, show. Yes. Real I, fast. Are we... I. Are we already? I was going to. What if God poked me? Oh, do they still have that? Nope. They yes, they do. No, do they? I think Facebook. I think you can still uh, poke people on Facebook if you were. What so if inclined. God reported me for a terms violation? <laughs> well, that was my joke. What if, what if God shadow banned me? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, hey. I'm Andrew. That's Genevieve. We are doing a commercial podcast called After These Messages. Sorry, <laughs> just, just to recap. I'm just trying to get myself just to, just back. Just to reset. <laughs> Where are we? If you're we? just joining us. Who, uh, which pod? Is this the cleaning podcast? <laughs> um, oh, hey. Can I just do a quick forward promo? Sure. So I did start a new podcast recently called Spotless with our friend Hannah Brooks Olson in which she and I talk about cleaning. Uh, we're both kind of obsessed with puttering and cleaning um anyway it's legitimately helpful in addition to being entertaining thank you and we have some fun segments on there so if you want to check it out you can just look for spotless uh in itunes and next week hannah is going to join us on this very show to talk about the intersection of cleaning and commercials we'll be talking about cleaning commercials and she honestly is she she's a delight she is a delight i love hannah honestly the reason i'm doing the podcast with her is because well one time she was filling in on my other podcast and we just started accidentally talking about cleaning and then we couldn't stop but more than that when people ask me like why do you start a third podcast i was like well because eventually hannah's gonna you know start a podcast and it's gonna be wildly successful and i just want to be a part of it yeah i I just wanted to lock that down you want to get on that train yeah so i'm looking forward to next week well it's still slow enough for you to like (laughs) hop into a box car exactly so anyway uh, join us next week for that she you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with her um that's uh, next week. This week, though, we are uh, bringing back our old favorite segment, Cheese and G's. It's kind of like Cheers and Jeers. If we like a commercial, we give it a chi. If we don't like it, we give it a G. Um, and uh, we're going to check in with you guys, the Ad Council. 
you and I kind of split up the Ad Council this week. I know I have a really interesting email uh, from somebody who wanted to weigh in with their personal experience going to DeVry Technical Institute, mm-hmm. which I now think is called DeVry University. We were talking about commercials for for-profit um, universities and colleges last yes, week. Yes, and I was, uh, I was probably uh, a little unforgiving. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing hearing from listener. Yeah, and also, um, and I kind of in a small correction on that as well. And then, um, do you got anything good? Yes, in the mailbag. Um, we've got some Facebook uh, posts that I wanted to share with uh, with this a, a blast from the past. All right, fantastic. Well, let's start with some cheese and G's. It's a This first commercial I want to start with is something that I like this commercial, but what I really like, I might even say love, is your reaction to this commercial. (laughs) Um, And I actually talked about this. I told this exact story many times this weekend on my trip. Um, Sounds like you were real fun at parties. Yeah, yeah, no, and then people stopped And then my girlfriend watches this Taco Bell commercial. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give a little background first. There is nothing... That makes Genevieve laugh. You guys know it. Every now and then, I will successfully land a joke on this show. It's not often, but when it happens, you hear Genevieve every once in a while just totally lose it, right? Just lose control. Well, Genevieve, the thing that I can guarantee will always make you laugh like that is if I'm playing a video game, whether it's a baseball game or a football game or whatever it is, and the character I'm controlling gets a little bit out of control goes a little bit berserk on accident like i can't feel the catch you start <laughs> laughing so hard and then i mean i'll be playing a video game and doing totally fine and then you come in and then i kind of tense up because now you're watching me and then it's a little bit harder to play and then as soon as my character starts looking like it's like flubbering around i like it when they drop the ball and then they like they, they walk in like a little square in the outfield, <laughs> right. just over, just to circle get, around and around. The ball. And around like you just bust up. Like I mean, you are like you're like a baby that like just has discovered some <laughs> new thing. Like you can see it, it makes me laugh just thinking about. It. You can see it a million times, and you always get like this. Well, there's a commercial out now that is built exactly for you, and you always give the same reaction to it. It's for um. It's actually, I love the name of it. I love everything about this commercial. It's called For the Love of Todd. And it's a Taco Bell commercial, but it's a crossover. They have a promotion with Xbox. Yes. I honestly feel like someone wrote this ad for me personally. <laughs> so we start by seeing a character in like some sort of a shooting game, right? And he's, we're looking at him, you know, as if we're looking at a, at a video game screen and he's talking directly to us. He's totally covered in armor. So you can't even really tell if it's a human below that or beneath that or if it's just a robot. But um, while he's talking, he's kind of like shooting down at the ground accidentally. He doesn't exactly know what he's doing. And um, the re- I guess I'll just tell it now because it's kind of hard to pause and explain it is turns out that the person controlling him is eating a chalupa and won't put down the chalupa and he's putting his uh, video game character in a precarious situation also it kind of looks like halo i think i don't know that it is specifically that but and i don't play any uh, first person shooter games but i the way the guy the robot guy 
is dressed kind of makes me think of Halo. Um, I don't know if this would be considered. I'm saying this because I said something on TBTL and some nerd had to write in and correct me that like this might not be considered a first person shooter because we can actually see the character. Oh. Usually first person shooter means you don't see yourself. Don't write in nerds. A... Don't at me. <laughs> anyway. Um, also, the kid, Todd, who's playing this video game and won't put down the chalupa, is uh, playing with a friend who's sitting next to him on the couch. And the, you'll hear the friend getting frustrated, too. But I believe you're going to start by hearing the voice of the video game character who's being controlled by Todd. Right now, I'm being controlled by a guy named Todd. Wrong button, babe. Got a... You see, Todd here won this exclusive Platinum Xbox One X from Taco Bell. I'm a little distracted right now. That's the best part. That's what you, you, we see the we see the character doing that thing where he's running into a wall and he just keeps on running in yeah. place and he can't move as uh, as Todd is eating his chalupa. Uh, finally, his friend just reaches over and starts pushing buttons on his controller. Throw it. Oh boy! Todd, put down the chalupa. Todd. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of that movie that you and I love with, um, I almost said Tom Hanks, with uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, um, The Edge of Tomorrow. Right. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's a it's a futuristic war scene, and he's wearing, like, extreme armor of some sort. Of some sort. I mean, I don't think, it, I said it was Halo. I, it's not literally Halo, but it, like, is evokes Halo, right. the way that the character is dressed. I think it's a little weird that the the guy has a British accent, which I didn't realize the first time I saw that commercial. And I actually think it would work a little bit better with an American accent. Why? I think it would just be more sort of... Um, I think the guy... It would be more... that the, the, the frustrated character in the game would be more funny to me if he was more of an everyman. Mm. Like, I don't know why he's British. It feels like, it feels extraneous that he's British, and and I don't need that. There's It doesn't add anything to oh, it. It's just distracting. So, tiny, tiny nit to pick there, mm. but otherwise, I love that, and I just think, like, it's such a funny concept. Just seeing the character and running seeing the character wall. running into the wall, like, just obliviously can't, you know, just running... Feet moving, not going anywhere. It makes me laugh so hard. Just like when you, when your baseball man can't pick up the ball or throw it or whatever. Um, you know, I think I built the first half of this list and then you came in and added yours, but I don't think we should, I, we should probably go back and forth a little bit. Did you want to throw one of yours in here? Let's do something that I am super loving right now. And I'm going to make us do all three of them because I love them okay. all. This is um, Ryan Reynolds, the actor, pretty big star. I mean, star of the... Deadpool franchise, like I would say he's an A-lister. Mm-hmm. Um, he is doing an ad campaign for something called Tune Blast, which to be TBH looks like the dumbest phone game of all time. It's like if Candy Crush were less interesting. <laughs> um, you know, it's like one of those games where you like make blocks of colors and, and touch them to yeah. make them disappear and drop down or whatever. What I call an airplane game. Yeah, it's just it's just a mind-numbing sort of like distraction. And I mean, to be fair, that's the premise of these ads. So mm-hmm. he's in these ads. He is Ryan Reynolds, although it's not belabored, but he's clearly playing himself. And he's just totally distracted from whatever else is going on in his everyday life just his just glued to the screen in a pretty unappealing way i mean it's all knowing and intentional but it's great so this first one it's kind of a uh facing the camera single shot of him 
being interviewed by someone off screen about his addiction to this game. And he looks pretty drawn. Like he's a handsome, he's a super handsome guy. Um, but he looks kind of haggard. He a really bit. does. Yeah, he looks a little pale. He looks a little older in this shot, and his eyes look sad. First, I just dabbled with it, you know, like everybody else in Hollywood. Then things really spiraled out of control. The next thing I knew, I was, I was doing it uh, 24-7. I didn't even recognize I had a problem until my sister Angela said something. What did she say? That's the crazy part. I don't even have a sister. <laughs> and then he just, then the camera pulls back and it goes back and shows him right. obliviously <laughs> playing this game. Okay. All, all right, let's, let's cut it down. Let's just cut it down. <laughs> I've never seen that one. That's really great. Um, so there are three of them, um, and I want to play all three of them. Not because they're particularly, they don't really build a narrative mm-hmm. other than they're these funny vignettes. But in this, but but I love the way it's set in this very kind of like he's in shitty looking green rooms, bef- you know, before a, a TV show, or he's in a he's in he's on a set, but mm. the set is like, you know, it's not glamorized. Mm-hmm. He's just a working actor. Right. So in this, he's sitting on a couch in what looks to me to be like a green room or some other otherwise a waiting room. He's just sitting there again. Fairly glumly addicted, like just glued to yeah. his screen. Interesting. Um, it's such a strange thing. Yeah. It's like it's addictive, but it's so bad for you. I mean, that's the whole premise. Yeah. Um, and he's playing, and then he makes a mistake, and you'll hear him react to that mistake in the game. Ah, piece of Now he looks up, and there's a little girl standing in the doorway. I shouldn't have done that. It's okay. Uh, the game. I shouldn't have done that in the game. He waves her away. His acting is just great. You're right. He's a, he's definitely uh, he. This is a list talent here. It is, and he's he's just great in it. And it will. I mean, he's doing. He's not doing Deadpool. That's a very specific mm-hmm. character. But it makes me want to watch Deadpool again, which oh. I recently watched for the first time, and I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed it as much as Mm -hmm. I did. He really has a tremendous amount of charm. What I like about the swearing is it's very clear he's not saying swear words. No. And the last he's saying word like he, monkey chunker or something. And the something. last word he says is definitely finger puppet. I can see it. <laughs> watch, seriously, watch this again. Piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, you're he right. Finger puppet. Finger puppet. Which, when you bleep it, does sound kind of dirty. All right, last one. Sorry, thank you for indulging me. I'm just <laughs> enjoying them. Um, this is why I got into this game, you know? Like, all the money, all the fame of right. being a commercial podcaster, really it's about the love of the craft for Right, me. absolutely. And he's, in this one, it's a, clearly a movie set. There's a green screen in the background, and there's like a sort of a dirty urban scene with like a banged up cop car and tires and you know oil cans oil it looks like there's a dead a couple a of dead, dead guys, guys. So it's like a yeah like a gritty cop drama or something okay. i've never seen this one. i've been waiting a long time for this mcmanus enjoy hell so the actor fires at him the squib in his shirt pops and blood comes out but he's just standing there with his hand in his pocket holding his phone playing on the yeah. game. He's just like addicted to the game. He has no idea what's going on around him. And again, he doesn't look happy. He just looks 
transported into this game. Yeah. He looks up. Sorry. All right, let's cut. <laughs> uh, let's get a fourth shirt in here, please. <laughs> let's get a fourth shirt. So that sound this you guys This is very hearing, Tracy Jordan to yeah, me. <laughs> the squirting, that sound you're hearing is just like blood just like pumping out of this little device in his chest and it won't stop it starts splashing all over the phone while he's playing those are really good but i am also fascinated by the approach by not he doesn't look happy he looks addicted he looks addicted it's such an interesting approach it's like yeah it's it's not good for you uh also i just have to read from the i think this was uh it's from a site called pocketgamer.biz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm sure you have bookmarked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how, like, even the quotes from the makers of this commercial and Ryan Reynolds are weirdly um, af- without affect or mm-hmm. weirdly, like, generic. Um, this is from the from Pete Games, which is Pete Games makes Toon Blast, uh, director of strategy, Omer Ionu. Ryan Reynolds is a perfect fit for Toon Blast because of his brand, celebrity, and his signature humor, which was the perfect way to make Toon Blast relatable. We're lucky to be the first mobile, ga- mobile gaming company to have an acclaimed professional like Reynolds act in our performance marketing campaign. First of all, Arnold Schwarzenegger is exactly what I was going to say. Beg to differ. And who's Blondie McBlonde face? And Blondie McBlonde, Blondie McBlonde, you know. Uh, Genevieve is doing the international symbol for large breasts. Yes. Um, what's her name? Kate Upton, yeah. right? Um, and then this is Reynolds, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' comment. The team over at Pete Games was fun and easy to work with, and I really enjoyed the experience. <laughs> that was written by somebody yes. who just sent it to him and said, can you sign off on this? Yes, which, says, you know, that's how quotes get quoted. I doubt he even had to sign off on that. Yeah, right. On that it's one. so completely just generic. Have you ever had that? Um, it's rare for me, but every now and then if a press release goes out for TBTL from American Public Media, like they'll write it all up and then they'll say like, sometimes they'll be like, can you give us a quote? But often they'll just like kind of write a quote, quote and be like, yeah. Okay, I'm on the yeah. exact opposite side of that equation. Oh, yeah. I am frequently writing quotes oh. for approval. Would you write a quote for me? I mean, who's what are you being quoted in? I'll tell you what. what here's, our, here's our homework for next week. I want you to write a quote for me talking about after these messages. Okay, and you write one for me. And, okay, that sounds good. Uh, we got to remember this, and then we'll read them on yeah. the show, and you yeah, can tell me whether or not you approve let's it. Do a, let's like do a fake press release about our show, and oh. we'll, we'll work it out. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. Okay, but we'll, let's at least start with the quotes. I actually would like to talk at some point. Maybe like just Let's just pull back the curtain. Like, I'd love to talk about our marketing plan yeah. on uh, Max Fun. It is ironic that we don't have much of a marketing plan right now. But we, you say Max Fun because, yeah, we're thinking about maybe buying a little ad time there. Buying a little ad time. Um, all right. So we've been very nice. So let's get negative, shall we? Let's, I have a G that. Let's drop the hammer on some of these bad boys. Um, here's my G. Uh, I don't even... Do you have any Gs coming in? The up? rest of mine are Gs. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that sound I just made? Um, <laughs> uh, Facebook has something called Facebook Portal now, and I'm seeing advertisements for it. I don't know exactly what it is, but it seems like it's... It, it, this advertisement uh, focuses on its like FaceTime technology essentially yeah. like they're they're competing with FaceTime now um it, I, maybe that's all portal is is a like a Skype or a FaceTime but in this one we see a guy and he's sitting on his um 
couch at home and he's got a tablet it looks like an ipad sitting up on the shelf across from him and then the um ipad pops up with or, or a reminder pops up that it's his sister's birthday so he says okay portal call my sister and you'll hear all of this and then the two of them are talking. Have you seen this yet? I explained this to you on the phone the other day, and it drove me crazy. Yes, uh, you did explain it to me on the phone, and it took me a little while to understand what your complaint was, but right. I have not I'm seen I'm going to try to do better now. Um, so we see him on one side, and we, as, we see his sister on the other side of the line. She's in her kitchen or something. But we have seen also establishing shots where we know he was talking to an iPad, which is his video screen with his sister, and it's just sitting on a shelf. And it's clear that he forgot it was her birthday. He calls her up. She's like, what did you get me? And then he stands up and he starts looking around his house to grab something. He's like, I got you this. And he holds up like a dying plant off of his living room table. The thing that drives me crazy about this ad is. The truck's brakes should not be working because the truck is because the bus is stopped. Yes, that was another. Yes, it's similar to that complaint I had for that Allstate commercial. This one, though, he gets up and he moves. And now we see it from her perspective. We see what she's seeing on her screen. Mm -hmm. And his iPad is clearly following him around the room while he gets up to move. Like somebody is operating this camera because he it should be stable. And if he's going to get up and move to a different part of his apartment, he should just walk off screen. There's no way that she could be somehow operating if so, that would be an amazing piece of technology that they should be focusing on here. This is just like this is just like not trusting your audience to to notice. Yeah, how to, or also just bad blocking. Like set it just, up so that she can see what he's doing. Like set it up with like a deep, you know, focal length, and then you can see what's going on across the room. I was watching football with my family this weekend in Cleveland. I made them rewind this commercial. So I actually told them, I'm like, there's a commercial running right now that's driving me crazy, and I'm not going to tell you why. But if it comes up, uh, I'm going to have to, like, if you guys are talking, I'm just going to interrupt you. Just a warning right now. I'm going to interrupt you, and I'm going to stop you, and I want you to watch this commercial. Did they? It went over did well. Did they share your ire? Contempt, no. Hey, Portal, call Rory. Happy birthday! Oh, you remembered. Of course I remembered. You're my sister. But what'd you get me? Um, uh, I got you... Oh, yeah. The camera is moving. The camera is like following him. It's even zooming in a little bit on him. What the heck? Yeah. Like we see also we see that his um, his thing is set up in landscape mode, but she's watching it in portrait mode. I don't think that would work either. This is super lazy. It's really irritating me. I'm going to go back. Of course I remember. You're my sister. But what'd you get me? Look at that. I got you. Flagrant. Flagrant. And I mean, it's it's really moving like a handheld yes. camera. It's half dead. Just like you. Oh. I kind of like him jabbing her at the end because I think it's pretty rude to... Oh, I wonder if Portal is the device. Maybe the device can do that. How, how bad and stupid are you going to feel if the whole thing with Portal is that somehow it does... It can accomplish what you're seeing there. Um, like she can control, although you don't see you her don't with see the her joystick or anything. anything. Yeah. Um, but if that somehow, what if it like recognizes you and it can follow you around like a robot? I, I I do feel foolish for not knowing what Hub was. I thought it was a service via Facebook, but it's actually a, uh, this is according to videoconferencingdaily.com. 
Oh, I love that. Love that oh, website. Can you imagine a more boring publication? The all-in-one home hub device was released earlier this month and represents one of social media's giants' first steps in the world of hardware manufacturing. So it actually is the device, but I would be very surprised if this thing follow if the camera follows yeah, you around. Yeah, and the, the fact room. that it's advertising hardware makes this even more deceptive mm-hmm. because it really does imply that the hardware can accomplish this, yes. which is a pretty that'd be a like you said a pretty big leap forward in like home video technology. Yeah, although I am mad that I referred to it. Uh, it's literally advertising a device, and I referred to it as an iPad seven times. So I, I guess mean, we I, all make mistakes. We do, um, and uh, no question, we make mistakes. But like, I it's hard, kind of hard to tell from the commercial what what is being advertised. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? I thought it was a service. Uh, thanks for getting my back on that. Um, okay, let's go with one of yours now. All right, let's talk about um, how sad I have I am to have to um, criticize some folks that I really like, oh, including yeah. George Clooney with this latest entry from Nespresso. Oh, I don't know about this one. Now, we talked about his Nespresso campaign a while back. It would be like him and other famous actors. I think not George Went. Who was it? <laughs> that would be funny. That would be quite a come up for George Wendt. <laughs> yeah. I want to say like Andy Garcia maybe. Yeah, he was in one. And of course, you know, he and Andy Garcia, like we've famously seen them be like, you know, opponents on screen in Ocean's Eleven. So like it kind of makes sense that they would be sort of rivally, uh, you know, as actors. And in the past, we would see them kind of. Oh, Danny DeVito. Oh, was that's what it. I was thinking. I think I was thinking of portly white guys, which is why I said George Went, But um we would see them like kind of talking. Trying to see who, decide who that's meaner to. I think George. It's meaner to George. Went as far as we're just judging who's got the better like, body. I confused you with Danny DeVito. George went, or I confused you with George went. Danny DeVito. Who's more offended? Right. Nobody is. They're both handsome men. <laughs> yes. Famously. I don't know why you got a body shame. I am not. I like George really? went. I mean, he's an older gentleman now. They both are. Yeah, but I mean. Let's be real. Danny DeVito has not had a lot of handsome days. No. Okay. Um, so anybody in those, they're kind of meta. They are playing themselves as actors, having conversations around the like craft services table. And yes. Drinking. And in one of them, yeah, they're racing home or something to yeah. get to the coffee. It was always confusing. It was always I confusing. I think this continues the great tradition of these Nespresso ads being a little bit inchoate and just sort of like thrown together like a lot of a lot of production and a lot of money but like not quite enough thought Mm. this one i think is even more so uh and i'll explain why at least in that in those other ones like it was all took place in one universe our universe yeah he's george clooney the actor he wants to get this special cup of coffee that's like i guess a jumped up uh keurig and that's what he then that's the goal right okay this He's dressed in full medieval knight armor, and he's in a movie, like full movie, and Natalie Dormer of Game of Thrones is playing the queen that he's having a conversation with in the movie. So we're seeing it as if we're watching the movie. Yeah, and then it's you literally- not like we're yes. seeing this them on set. No, no, it's like real, okay. except then it pulls back and we realize we are watching a movie. But, okay. But, so we can, I can talk you through this. Saving the kingdom, what doth thou desire? So now we pull back and we see that we are, in fact, in a movie theater watching him in this movie. He turns to camera and seems to realize that 
He's in. He's on a movie screen. Oh, it's and, like the Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah, sort of. And then he steps, and then he's going to step through the movie screen into our universe. Oh, exactly like the Purple Rose of Cairo. Okay. There you go. Oh, this I don't was, watch Woody Allen movies. This was so directed by Woody know. Allen. Where are you going? It is, it is that bad. Good night. Where are you going? Well, that's never happened before. I mean... And now suddenly we're listening to Salisbury Hill. <laughs> Shining. Oh, God. And so now he's in our universe, still in the full knight, you know, armor getup. People are confused that they're seeing a giant uh, knight moving through. He walks past a billboard of his own face advertising Nespresso, but it's unclear. I mean, he's not George Clooney. He's this fictional knight mm-hmm. guy, and he's searching for a perfect cup of coffee. Okay. All through the city. I mean... He keeps passing perfectly good cups of coffee. He gets into one of those open-air, double-decker tourist buses, and nobody wants to sit with him because he looks like a crazy person. And he would take up a lot of space. And he would take up a lot of space. The people in the movie are just sitting there, like the characters in the movies are just sitting there bored while the entire theater continues to watch them do nothing. This is Cairo. This is the Purple Rose of Cairo. This is a, you've it's, never seen it, right? I've like, never seen it. So is this, is this actually like I don't know, a but parody it's of a it? woman who walks off the screen and then everybody on the screen is like, you got to come back. We got to finish the movie. And they're waiting around for her. And she goes but out into the world so and has a, adventures. an explicit reference to Purple Rose I feel like if you were going to do that, then you would have it be a woman. It would be the 19... 40s, I think it's the 1940s. Yeah, I mean, this so. is clearly sort of Game of Thrones inflected. Yeah. You've got Natalie Dormer, I mean, you've got dragons. It's using all of the, like, I wouldn't say tropes because I don't know it, but it's, it's using all of the sort of devices yeah. that, that that movie uses, but I don't know that you're supposed to be making the connections. Grab your things, I'm you. Coffee that's a cup above is always worth the quest. Nespresso. You break a farthing. Now he goes back into the, his movie and shows the queen that um, he's brought this Nespresso. That was the only reward he sought. Tis all I desire. Didst thou bring enough for the whole kingdom? Now everybody from the movies in the open air bus in the real world going to get Nespresso. Okay, so I don't get why you hate it so much. It's just confusing. They're all confusing. They're all confusing. It's so wildly out of step with the previous entries in this campaign. It's still George Clooney, obviously, but a totally different character because he's not the actor George Clooney in this anymore. I think you're right. I didn't know the reference to Purple Rose of Cairo, but clearly it's being referenced, but yet not explicitly or not like with any kind of a wink it's just like this is a thing this is a thing that happened in this movie mm-hmm. but we're also going to talk about it. it's so much it's it's just like a bunch of references piled on and i don't get i mean i get the i get the tagline it's worth the quest or whatever and i guess you have george clooney he's also a terrible actor in it like mm. in the movie that he's in he's like Telephoning it in, which I guess is intentional. I mean, he's a good actor. He knows how to act. So it's like he's being the sort of like smirky guy that he is in the other Nespresso commercials. And yet he's also supposed to be this like dragon slaying knight. Like 
it, the, tonally, it's just a mess. It also doesn't make sense that she says, what do you want for your reward, right? Right. And then his reward is for him just to go out and get what he wants. He doesn't, that's not a reward right. from her. That's what bothers me. The whole thing. I mean, you could, you know, there's a she million ways to, to say this is bad. She didn't grant him anything. He could, have, he could have dropped off the dragon and then just left and got his coffee, which he did anyway. She didn't give it to him as a gift. Yeah, and it's, there's so much story and so much plot and so much production. They spend a nanosecond on like the quality of the coffee mm-hmm. and they, it's a pretty nice shot of the coffee pouring I mm-hmm. guess but like I don't get what they're trying I don't feel any connection to the product through this whole campaign and this is just a mess you get the impression that they're spending tons of money but they're not sharp with their message or what they're doing that yeah. you could scale back so much you don't need I mean listen there's a whole bunch of different approaches to commercials, obviously, but I feel like you're wasting money if you're spend if you're like we're gonna do a high concept. I mean, think about Natalie Dormer and George Clooney. Yeah, that alone is so much, and you can you can do so much with so little in advertising. Instead, they're blowing up huge budgets to create something that isn't a good message. And I know George Clooney can make a great ad because remember that one about. Um if you wake up in the morning and you've married George Clooney, like for the rest of oh, us, there's yeah. this bank or whatever. That's right. That was a, I think that was, was that a British commercial? I don't know. It was it an was, American. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was great and it stuck with me and it was mm. such a good punchline. And like, it made a point. I mean, it was for some sort of financial services, mm-hmm. you know? And it, that also definitely was from a female perspective, yeah. which I liked. Yeah. It was great. Like, I know he can make a good ad, but Nespresso is not mm-hmm. killing it. Didn't he all, was he also the one? No, no, I'm thinking of the John Hamm, Turb, is it TurboTax commercials yeah. or something? Those are along the lines of these. Yeah, they're, they're like, also sort of incoherent yeah. and and tonally confusing. And meta as far as, is yeah. he playing himself? Uh, we're or seeing is he a guy in set. the thing? Yeah. yeah. Is he the character that he's playing as because he's the actor John Hamm or what? Like, yeah. Well, we already did a whole show on, on uh, like, middle age ad or ads that are supposed to take place in the middle ages but they just keep rolling them out that's one of them and of course you have natalie dormer that's not a coincidence she's famous from game of thrones um and i swear we already talked about this one but just in case we haven't done it on the show because maybe we talked about it off air um i want to come back to this bud light commercial this is part of the dilly dilly campaign which i was early on on the record really hating and i hated the dilly dilly the the original the original Dilly Dilly ad did not make tons of sense to me. Yeah, but they've really um, cre- they've really built out this universe. Yeah, I mean Bud Light Man from the frogs to the I mean they they are kind of the masters of creating cultural phenomenon with their like the almost like Seinfeld back in our day. Like Seinfeld, an episode would come out and then everybody's talking in Seinfeldisms the entire yeah rest of the year they created dilly dilly and now you have a bunch of people being like dilly dilly around the office place or whatever not my office this one though not my office either but i just work with a couple of felines um this commercial uh though to me is the pinnacle of the campaign because they finally have a very clear message i think this was their message all along but this one sells it and it makes so much sense and they nail it with the tagline at the end i agree I, they, it's always been about um, we're better, you know, Bud Light is for people who aren't 
annoying beer snobs mm-hmm. because they've always had someone brings Bud Light to the king and the queen, but then like this guy brings a mead that he brewed. And I mean, it's always making fun mm-hmm. of people who like specialty fancy beers right. but you're right they've really they, they've always like overreacted it never really yes. made sense why they were overreacting when they throw him in the dungeon then they have the dungeon ones and he escapes the dungeon but comes back to deliver Bud Light to his friends like none of that shit ever made sense this one nails it nails it we see a king and he or the king and he's talking to you know his feasting his, it looks like he comes into like a, a tavern, basically. Oh, you think this is a tavern, not yeah. like his hall? I don't think it's his, his hall. People? I think it's like a public house okay. of some sort. Okay. And he comes in on the, a staircase. On a so staircase, he's kind of high above everybody. The Bud Light Knight, who was a part of this campaign, is behind him, just and silent and scary as hell. Who I swear is like I that. Speaking of Game of Thrones. You can't tell me that's not inspired by Zombie Mountain. Maybe. I mean, I think knights have always been kind of just silent. But this is specifically, it's a giant, silent knight with no visible face Mm -hmm. or anything. And then later on when he sticks his thumbs into the eyes. Yes, I think that's inspired by the mountain. No. No, um, Okay, so anyway, so the king comes in, the giant knight is behind him, and as you'll hear, he says to the entire public house, you know, Bud Light for everybody! And everybody gets really excited, but then there's one guy in the corner who has a... He's sitting all by himself, by the way. Everybody's having a great time. They're all together. This guy is sitting at a table by himself. Nobody's around him. And he has a special order. Barkeep, Bud Light's for everyone. Actually, um, I prefer a nice mead. Barkeep, Bud Light's for everyone and a mead. Is it autumnal? Bud Light's for everyone and one autumnal mead. Is it malty and full-bodied? Because I like it more. Okay, so now we suddenly cut to outside, and he is being shackled in the, what do you call those things? The stocks. He's the, being the shackled Bud Light in Knight the stocks. The is, is putting mead guy in the stocks. The king, who is just trying to be generous to the See how the it, bar. there's like a sign over the door? It's like, um, it says something like. The Chelsea sword, I think it says. Something like that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Or the clumsy sword? That's interesting. I didn't even (laughs) notice that. Um, Yes, and I got to say, like, I was at a... uh, Actually, my my cousin is a bartender here, and I really liked it. I went with my family this weekend, too. Um, A part of Cleveland that used to be old warehouses and stuff. You can picture the old Midwestern brick buildings, and so many of them are emptied and abandoned now. It's actually not that great of a part of town. You can tell it's pretty high poverty, but you're starting to see these buildings being transformed into trendy, you know, night spots. Night spots. That's something I get sometimes. I talk to my doctor about my night spots. Um, Anyway... You know, it it's a brewery where we went to visit. Um, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. And, of course, all they serve is, you know, fancy beers that they brew there and mead. You know, like yep. this is just so. Okay, so anyway, this guy's being locked up. And we haven't gotten the tagline yet, which I think is perfect. Cancel that mead. Bud Light. For the many, not the few. For the many, not the few. Yeah, they really figured it out. They really. I mean, I feel like you're on point there. Your message from for the broader campaign is very clear, and the commercial narrative does a good job of getting to that point. And I like that they're that they're basically saying, you know, 
I think it's a good pitch and it's kind of a it's kind of a savage pitch, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really like takes aim at people who are beer snobs, but their calculation is there are more people who hate beer snobs than beer snobs. Yeah. And I got to say, well, I mean, that really listeners of TBTL will know that like I went, you know, when I mentioned a long time ago, especially when I was living in L.A., I was drinking a lot of Bud Light because I didn't want heavy. I, I like IPAs. That's my other thing. But like during the hot months, I don't yeah. want to be drinking IPAs. And it's always hot in L.A., so I would enjoy my Bud Lights. That was my thing. And people were, like, actually angry. It, it bugs me when people talk to you like your opinion is wrong. Like, opinions are one thing. But, like, when you just say, like, no, you don't like Bud Light. You're drinking the wrong beers if you think you like Bud Light. It's like, no, there are reasons why this tastes good in my mouth. I'm not saying that you should. But, like, it's those people are really fucking irritating. Yeah. So this really does speak to me. It's kind of like, okay, you want to, like, be over there in the corner by yourself literally alone being like, oh, is it autumnal? Um, and actually, if you enjoy those kinds of beers, that's great. But it's like when you cross that line into being annoying. And I also think this is something that you talk about a lot. Thinking about who are we targeting here or what are who is our competition here? Yeah. I, I remember, I think I referred to it a lot, but you talked about somebody saying who is the competitors of it was for late night snacking and it it's was like, actually it, cereal yeah it was who's the competitor to soup and it's not other soups necessarily it's cereal right because so it's for, like what can you make a quick meal out of so for bud light it's not or should we go after miller light should we, they decide no we're we're going to shoot up we're going after the fanciest of beers right now miller light has an entire campaign where they're going after bud light yes now I don't think they're saying, I don't think there's anyone that they're talking to who's like, you know, I love uh, fancy beers, but then I saw this commercial and now I feel bad about myself, so I think I'll drink Bud Light. I think that there are gajillions of people who will drink a light beer, and when they're in the store picking out a light beer, you and I do this. We used to drink Bud Light, Mm -hmm. and then, you know why we, (laughs) we switched to Miller Light, because a friend who will be on the show next week. A couple of reasons. Our friend told us that it's a union shop, which mm-hmm. I like. And I just like the branding better. And I know it's silly. Their branding is really good right now. But their branding is really good they right now. They took their can, which I didn't think was all that iconic. And they kind of made a cartoon version of it, a very simplified version that they're now plastering all yeah. over. And I have such brand loyalty to Miller Lite now. And that's only been... Like six months. It's only been generated. And I might for- think, I right now I would say that I slightly prefer the taste of Miller Lite to Bud Light, but could I really I tell in a blind taste test? I, could. I don't know. I, it, it, every now and because now I drink Miller Lite, and if I drink a Bud Light, that first sip, you can tell it's like a sweeter taste to it. So, so the person who's going to the store and buying the local microbrew or whatever to get the, the, you know, autumnal mead, they're not the target audience. Bud Light is hoping that if you're at the store and you're the 99%, you're the unwashed, you're going to buy a light beer, a cheap mass-produced light beer, and that when you see that blue carton, you have a good feeling in your head of like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're for me. Yeah, yeah, the for the many, not the few. Yeah. Very smart. Um, because you have to be careful with that message, I think. Like so yes, many other do. things are like for the few. You deserve it. You're one of the special ones. I think that's true. And I also think like there's an element of like uh, sort of, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of a lot of talk in this country right now and a lot of sentiment in this country right now about who's a real American. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this is not over the line, but walking up to the line of 
real Americans mm-hmm. drink. Oh, that's Bud interesting. Light. Yeah, it's almost like, and of course, it's not a, a you know, it's not an American like this mise en scene. We don't even use this term anymore because we're so far over the line. But back in the George W. Bush era, that's where you. There were so many conversations and stories about the anti-intellectualism yes. movement that was happening then. Now it's well beyond that. Now yeah, it's they won. Congratulations. Xenopho- yeah, now, and now they're pushing into xenophobia and all these other terrible things. But before it was just kind of like the... Would you vote for this guy because you would have yes. a beer with him? And, and they didn't mean no autumnal me. No, they did not. And, that, and so this almost harkens back to that. But very smartly in no way is connected to the modern world. Yes. It's set in this fantasy realm. Well, I, not the fantasy realm. But was, practically, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it is, uh, um, it's like a Ren fair. And I think you're totally right. That is absolutely a way of keeping it at any controversy at a distance. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know how much of that they were thinking about when they first started with their first Dilly Dilly commercial, but certainly now, I mean, yeah. things are clicking. Okay, I, uh, I think we're going to do one Speaking more. Speaking of controversy, yeah, so let's get into you, Ford. You hate this one. There's a Ford commercial. There's a new campaign out. They're all voiced by uh, by Brian Cranston, or he's Man, actually in I'm so in sad them. to be mad at Brian Cranston. Right. Now, one of them I have a real problem with. We'll talk about that in a second. You have a problem with this one we'll start with, but and I don't actually know why. It just seems like something like, was Clint Eastwood like, Talking to a chair. Was he not available? It's a lot of like, we built this. I just don't like it. Okay, so can you explain what we're going to see? Yeah, you're going to hear Brian Cranston. It's a long one. I think this is a minute long. Um, I'm sure there are shorter versions that are being aired, but I have seen this whole one aired. Um, he's talking to the camera. Um, he's also kind of in a lot of these scenes. And it's a it's a many scenes of, uh, as he's talking about uh, what it took to achieve technological proce- uh, progress, uh, you see him like in what appears to be like a sort of weird hybrid of like he's Hannibal Lecter, but also he's a android. I don't know. It's unclear. But like he's setting he's in these scenes of that are sort of illustrating the things he's talking about. First, it's like right. a TED talk. Now let's get started. The future isn't created in a keynote address. Now he's on like speech on Air Force land One. Us on the moon. Millions of man-hours did. They built their way there. Some will talk, talk, talk about the future. There he is. There he is, like the weird android. But you'd be a fool to believe it. You see, talk doesn't get things done. Now we're blowing Building stuff up. Does. Now we're mining Building, and smelting. Like we have for the last 115 years. Now we're looking at Ford. And building for the next century. Building cars. New technology. And transforming cities. So let the other guys keep dreaming about the future. We'll be the ones building it. Hey, Ford. I know Tesla's eating your fucking lunch, but why don't you dial it down? Because that is insulting. Do you notice the music is painted black yes, by the Rolling Stones? Yes, it's painted black by the Rolling Stones. Why? I couldn't tell you. I guess it sounds dramatic. The whole thing is a mess. It's just like this smug nonsense. Like, he he's... he's He's an actor who's in all these scenarios when he talks about like presidential speeches didn't get us to the moon. Well, you know oh, what? Oh, that's actually... what this is about. You're a presidential speech writer. Shut up. That's what this is about. He takes a direct shot at your at your um. I have a problem career. with the whole thing. Like he, this idea that's that the like first time you just told me to shut up on this show. <laughs> shut up. No, you shut up. 
I think this whole thing is honestly kind of offensive. Like it's it's so smug. And let me tell you who didn't get us to the moon. It was definitely not Ford. Okay, it was the government. Yeah, and it actually was. I mean, you don't have the political the the thing that put us there actually was what was happening behind podiums with JFK. That's and, correct. Yeah. This this idea that the, that for like this we built it ethos this like. American industry is responsible for everything and we're we're the makers not the takers like it drives me up a wall yeah. and I'm really disappointed to see Brian Cranston and like taking money from this like it's it's really gross like yeah. this is exactly the the halftime in America thing that, uh, that oh Eastwood absolutely did. yeah and that that was General Motors right? yeah it yeah. was it wasn't Ford but like it's but no, the same. And, I mean yeah, it's so Detroit Ford is now know? yeah now this next one is part of the same exact campaign you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff brought out in this one it's a much more simple concept though you just see a close-up of the ford symbol on uh the grill of a truck and it slowly backs out but it doesn't ever really reveal anything it only focuses on the name ford uh, and you'll hear brian cranston talking over top of it you're gonna hear a lot of the same themes but my issue with it is slightly different it isn't a deadly predator or a made-up creature that doesn't have wings, horns, or teeth. There's no self-appointed crown that doesn't repurpose someone else's legacy. It's not a metaphor or the result of a merger. It's none of those things. It's our family name. Then it says, built Ford proud at the end. They're really taking a shot at Game of Thrones, I guess. I what guess, Game of yeah. Thrones ever do to you, Ford? Actually, I was a little bit wrong. It actually does a very slow zoom in on the word Ford, not zoom out. But for starters, before I get to my main complaint with this, which was the first thing that struck me the first time I saw it, let's start with what you just brought up. It doesn't make sense. What is he even fucking talking about? It's like he's mad at modernity and also Game of Thrones. Yeah, like why is he saying it's not a beast with a made-up name? Like when he gets to the part where he says it's not a merger and it's not a corporate whatever, like that's starting to make sense to me. Right. But what the hell is he even going after with this first part? I guess part? it's just like it's not anything that you other like. other commercials? I don't know. Yeah, like, maybe that's it. But that's so weird. Like that doesn't, anyway, so the first half of it doesn't even make sense. But then when you get to the part where it's kind of like, okay, you're saying that so many companies these days are, you know, conglomerations and buyouts and you don't, it's like Ford has always been Ford. In a certain way, I kind of, I dig that as a, as a idea. I think you've really screwed up at this message and made it too complicated. But when your yeah. final message is. Continuity, integrity. Yeah, like, sure, sure. Yeah, you can do do that. But then at the end, it's like. You know, the name of the commercial is The Family Name. And at the end of the day, all we are is our family name, Ford. And when I think of, when you force me to think of Ford in relation to it being a family name, I think of Henry Ford, who was a terrible human being. The family name, if you're, if I think of Ford, I think of cars, but now you're forcing me to think of the family name of Ford, and what does that mean? That means anti-Semitism. Henry time. Ford was the biggest, most famous anti-Semite in America. He literally published things. I'll let you explain that. Yes. He literally was trying to get America on the side of the Nazis, like literally tried to get America on the side of the Nazis. He's one of the worst Americans when it comes to that stuff ever. 
allow me to read from the Washington Post. This is from a couple years ago about the dark side of Henry Ford. In 1919, Ford purchased the Dearborn Independent, then an obscure newspaper uh, in Michigan. For the next eight years, the weekly publication reflected his bigoted views. His newspaper merged racism with anti-Semitism by calling Prohibition-era whiskey N-word gin and labeling jazz Yiddish moron music. Ford and his publication attracted attention throughout the world, including from Adolf Hitler. In fact, T-I-L. This is you talking off script here, I assume. Today I learned. Sorry, I'm spending a lot of time on Reddit. <laughs> Ford is the o- Ford is the only American mentioned by name in Mein Kampf. Mm. The only American. Um, his anti-Semitic independent articles were translated into German and uh, during the 1920s and were used to prove that Nazis were not alone in their pathological hatred of Jews and Judaism. And this is a quote from none other than Adolf Hitler. You can tell Herr Ford that I am a great admirer of his. I shall do my best to put his theories into practice in Germany. I regard Henry Ford as my inspiration. Great name, Ford. Right, exactly. Great now, I could name. hear listeners writing in right now, like, because you and I get really sensitive on various topics, so I could hear somebody writing and be like, dudes, like... Many people have owned Ford since Henry Ford. Right, and also, like, yeah, there's a lot going on with Ford. Like, you don't... Like, you can't deconstruct every Ford commercial and say, but the guy was a Nazi, which I totally agree with. Yeah. But in we this drive case, a Volkswagen. Exactly. I was going to mention that. But in this case, you are telling me to think about yes. the family name of Ford and what does the family name of Ford mean? And to me, that's when I stop thinking about vehicles and I start thinking about the people behind them and the people behind them are the biggest monsters. Well, the person, yeah. I should say. And that, no, exactly. This is a commercial. Uh, this is a podcast about commercials. Um, not a commercial about podcasts. Right. Which we are going to try to do, though. We are going to do a commercial about <laughs> podcasts. You're right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think the same thing. When we bought a Volkswagen, I mean, I actually did kind of, I mean, I didn't give up, a, I didn't push back a lot, but you're a huge VW fan, and it yeah. is true that VWs were created specifically by Nazis. Yes, they were. During the war. And guess who, guess what Volkswagen stays, you know, <laughs> they don't say, think so about the name Volkswagen. From our history and our right. founding and like just from a marketing perspective, like I'm sure they know that's a liability from a, a reputation management standpoint. Now it is true that Volkswagen in the, I think it was the early 90s, late 80s, did have that campaign called, it's mine, comma, <laughs> remember the Fuhrer over our product. <laughs> well, no, wait, that never happened. But like, it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I also think that, like you and I, also I have. I was also somewhat reluctant because not only was, uh, you know, Volkswagen connected to the Nazis and created by the Nazis, but also the fact that, um, you know, we bought a Ford, and the the reason we were able to afford. I'm sorry, we bought a Volkswagen, but the reason we were able to afford it, a new car for the first time in our lives, was because the company was just coming out of a huge scandal in which they were trying to. Buy their way back into off. our favor. Yeah, and they were trying to rip people off, and they were tr- hurting the environment. And, I mean, it was such a huge scandal. So, I mean, there's a lot of – but we still drive one. So, anyway, there's a lot there. And I'm not saying you should never drive a Ford. I'm not condemning no, Ford owners at all. But I'm just really saying don't, yeah. don't remind us of what the Ford family name means because that's bad, guys. I agree. I, I want to be clear. This isn't about the car that you dri- that anyone listening to this drives or even Ford itself. They probably make some good cars. I mean, you know, there's there's – there are Fords that are iconic. Like they showed, they showed a Mustang, you know, in mm-hmm. this commercial. And like, who doesn't love a Mustang? Um, especially you, especially you. I mean, yeah. And I, 
it's not the it's not the company or or the people who have owned it in the generation since Henry Ford. It's the commercial is so tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Both of those are, I think. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, what is this here you got from listener Tony when we check in with the ad council here? This is just an oldie but a goodie. Um, Tony put this put this one uh, up on the Facebook and just I, I'm sorry, Tony, I forgot to write down what you said about it, but he said something to the effect of. Uh, remember this nightmare. <laughs> okay. So this is a if you're if you're a child of the '80s, as we are, uh, this is a for a pain medication called Nuprin. There was there was a brief period of there where Nuprin. there were all these different like headache medications, um, and a lot of those have gone by the wayside. But Nuprin kind of had a, a very memorable campaign that was actually parodied in Wayne's World. But why don't you play this Nuprin oh, ad? Oh, um, that's right. I thought it was a Saturday Night Live thing, but it was me. Okay, let's. Yeah, I mean, it's practically. So, this was. is the Nuprin ad, and I think we're going to see a bunch of people like doing athletic stuff in yes, black and white. And it's all black and white, and the only thing that's in color are the yellow pills. I totally forgot about this. I was in agony. I hurt all over. The doctor said there was no permanent damage. He gave me a different medicine. It's in these little yellow Nuprin. Got rid of that pain. Know what else? It works great on my tough headaches. Nuprin. It's not aspirin, not Tylenol. It's ibuprofen. Two Nuprin stop my headaches better than extra strength Tylenol. And Nuprin's gentler on my stomach than aspirin. Nuprin. Little, yellow, different, better. It even worked on my worst pain. Smart though, man. I love I that that's the introduction of ibuprofen. Yes, exactly. And and you know, I can't believe that Nuprin isn't around. If you had asked me about this commercial, I would have assumed that it was for um, Advil. Yeah. You know, I kind of forgot about. I mean, Nuprin. Advil. I think became they became the ibuprofen. Yeah, and their the pills are the same shape. They're only they're orange instead of yeah. yellow. And uh, when I was growing up, pills were always these white little things. They all look the same, except you either got a cap a capsule or a tablet. Yeah. And this was a brilliant marketing they put campaign. that sweet the sweet yellow coating and now that's an advil except it's like an orangey brown so what happened to Nuprin? i guess it i don't know what happened to Nuprin. is there any chance that Nuprin was i'm going to do a really quick google on the air because people say that that's kind of the best part of our show when we google things um i wanted to see if i could find a wikipedia is it st- oh it looks like it's still around where do you get it i don't know maybe we just don't we never pay attention to it I've bought a lot of headache medicine over the years. I can't believe I'm not. I'm, there's new it's all over here, though. I thought it. we'd find like. still buy it? Yeah, all over the place. Daily med. All right. Well, next time you're in a, in a CVS, look for the new print. Um, it, uh, that little yellow different tagline was really uh, iconic for a while. So much so that even in the 90s, uh, which was, you know, fairly uh, some, some time after that new print ad had been you out sure? there. What do you sure? I remember them being around the same time. Maybe. I thought that was from the 80s. When was that new print ad, do you think? Um, I'm not sure. Well, but anyway, I would have said like early 90s probably. Maybe maybe it was uh, coincidental with the Wayne, with Wayne's World. But uh, it, I think it was from the 80s. And so even however long it lasts, however, however long after Wayne's World was mm-hmm. made, whether it was a year or a decade, um, it was iconic enough that they made a little joke about it in the movie. And, I, and, and the funny thing was, as soon as I heard new print, I immediately thought of really? this scene from Wayne's World, and so did Cecilia and Dave. So thank you both for reminding. They posted this on Facebook. Uh, they just reminded me that it was there. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. 
Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little. Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly the, the camera goes black and white and we see the yellow pills. That's from the movie, huh? Yep. Oh, nice. Um, did you have anything else? I had one email that I wanted to read to you. Uh, no, that was it for okay. me. Okay. Um, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, talked about um, for commercials for for-profit colleges uh, last week. And we were talking about DeVry a little bit. DeVry has different names. I grew up thinking of it as DeVry Technical Institute. Now it's officially called DeVry University. And we were talking about these commercials that harken back to the origins of the guy um, who founded it, whose name was Herman, Herman DeVry. And he had already made money and a name for himself by inventing the uh, movie projectors. Um, and in these ads, they were claiming that DeVry University was a, founded in 1931. Um, and you thought that, no, the company was founded in 1931 um, and the college kind of came along later. Anyway, we're talking about all of that stuff. And this is what Rob wrote. He said, we called our show, by the way, Education last week. He says, I liked your education show. I'd like to share my DeVry experience with you. I started at DeVry in 1980. Um, just a little bit more background. You and I, I don't think we said this about DeVry specifically, but generally speaking, we're kind of talking about a lot of these for-profit colleges being less than reputable in some cases, being what we call degree mills now, just a way of kind of you go, you give them your money, you get some sort of degree that may not actually lead to job placement. And or you they don't make finish at all. Or you don't finish. And you finish. take a bunch of debt. And... Anyway, well, Rob had a really good experience with DeVry. This is a while back. He said he started it in 1980. At that time, it was still owned by a company named Bell & Howell, and it was named the DeVry Institute of Technology. It was fully accredited. They had uh, offered a bachelor degree in electronic engineering, which I have, and an associate's degree in electronic technology. At the time, there were only six or seven of them around the country. I went to the Phoenix campus where I found several of the best teachers I've ever had in my academic career, including my stint at grad school at Seattle University. Now, it's also true that in 1980, I was eight years out of high school and I was motivated to learn something so that I could stop being a fisherman. I love this story. Like there's yeah. so many like dazzling details in Rob's story. I don't know anything about Herman DeVry, but maybe he and his projector company were bought out by Bell and Howell. At some point, DeVry started calling itself a college, glossing over certain aspects of their history, achieving the, quote, distinction of being labeled a diploma mill, and making a strong showing on the worst schools list. This is all disappointing to me, but the school I went to was completely different. Thanks, Rob. That's really interesting. And it is yeah, a reminder. You, because you are also... You are not an education snob. You don't like to see people being ripped off in the name of education, but you... We both do, but you work in the industry. You are truly an advocate for breaking down the walls and getting people access to an education. Yes. And it doesn't have to be super expensive and it doesn't have to be a four-year college. That's absolutely how I feel. I love community colleges. And if, and if like I said, and I, and I should have said this very strongly if I didn't make it clear in the last show, if wherever you went was for profit, but it worked for you and you got what you needed from it and it was a good experience and it didn't break the bank... I am nothing but glad for that to be the case. Um, I am an advocate for public higher education. I do that is what I do for a living, but I also really believe in it. And I think ultimately all I want is for people to be able to get access to education, whatever that looks like, and for that education to be meaningful and useful and productive and affordable. And I don't care how you do it. 
but I just know that the the numbers tell a story that overall, again, individual, your mileage may vary, but overall, the for-profit sector of higher education is, there is a lot of predatory behavior mm-hmm. going on. But I'm really glad that Rob shared that story and that it was, that he had a great experience. And also and that talks it, about the change. And that it got him off the docks. You know, what's you on the docks, Rob? That's the funny thing too. As When I hear about somebody who who's like a, a fisherman, I also kind of admire and envy that too. Like people I can, who can almost I mean, guarantee I'm sure, you, you would like stop feeling that way. Like oh, no, no. That, and that's what I mean. I guess maybe I admire the people who can do yeah. that because it would kill me. Yeah, and I, and I, I really appreciate the people who are living in this part of the country where fishing was such a... Um, you know, I don't, I don't know where Rob was a fisherman, but, you know, being in here in Seattle. Oh, right. Oh, the old Phoenix fisherman. That sounds like something you would do to a kid on the playground. Give him the Phoenix fisherman. <laughs> yeah, but thank you um, so much, Rob. That was, I'm really glad to hear that story. I apologize, too, for my, I don't know what I was reading, but I swear I read something that DeVry didn't become a university until yeah, this century. I wanted to say that that, because you, even, century, you said something like, yeah, I don't even think the school started until the 90s. And I was thinking, like, I swear I saw commercials in the 80s. And well, it sounds like it did take a lot of, I'm sure it got bought and Well, sold can I give you the renamed. history here? Yeah, because sure. I think it's really interesting. Because you said that, or your assumption was that maybe DeVry, the man, started a company in 1931. And then at some point, way, way down the line, like maybe 50, 60 years later, they started a school offshoot. And now they're claiming, these commercials are claiming the school was founded in 1931. Actually, it was founded in 1931, but it didn't have the DeVry name then, but it was founded by Herman DeVry. I did some really uh, deep research on this. I went to a website called wikipedia.com and this is what they say DeVry was founded in 31 it was called the DeForest Training School in Chicago by Herman DeVry he was the founder he had previously invented a motion picture projector and he produced educational and training films he named the school after his friend Lee DeForest the school originally taught projector and radio repair, but later expanded to include other electronic equipment such as television. See, now I love this because we're seeing like one man who had knew one thing in particular. He invented a motion picture machine <laughs> and then he created a school to teach people how to repair those machines. I, yeah. I just think that's really cool. And then... You start broadening, integration. and then you start broadening out because now radio is intru- well. I guess radio is already around, and television is introduced. So you keep broadening it out, and you see how. Oh yeah, okay. Now we're getting into more of a broad technical school, um, but still kind of related to motion picture. Um, the school was later renamed DeVry Technical Institute. That happened in 1953. It gained accreditation to confer associate degrees in electronics in 1957. So in 57, it starts giving out uh, associate degrees. Then, like Rob mentioned, Bell and Howell acquired DeVry in 1967. About a year later, they sucked up something called the Ohio Institute of Technology, and um, it's renamed DeVry Institute of Technology, and then it's accredited to start giving out bachelor's degrees in 1969. So, I mean, I actually really love this story. I don't like what later happens as it, because I don't, don't think DeVry has the reputation that it had back then, but I like that it, it really made sense. One man a had a piece school. of yeah. information that he wanted to kind of share. He starts a school. The mission broadens out, but still makes sense when you yeah. think about its origins. And then eventually 
it starts actually giving out I never knew it gave out bachelor's degrees and that you could you're somebody who can't necessarily go to a four-year university you're like Rob you're eight years out of high school yeah. you don't want you can't go live in a dorm and talk about philosophy but you want a life change I don't know I, I find that history really fascinating yeah there's some evidence that um, even for that for-profits are not uh, if you if you ex- if you look only at the technical degrees that are offered by for profits that they do a little bit better on the metrics mm. it's like i mean i'm not trying to run down a philosophy degree i have an english i'm an english major like i'm a big believer in liberal arts but there i think are some of these degree mills where you go you get your liberal arts degree it's pretty meaningless and you didn't really learn anything and you didn't really gain any marketable skills you have a piece of paper that says bachelors or associates or whatever, mm-hmm. but can, what can you do coming out that you couldn't do going in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, this is, please don't at me again. I'm not running down a liberal arts degree. I strongly believe in the value of a liberal arts degree, but it has to be meaningful for it to be valuable. I have what you call an eligible bachelor's degree. <laughs> <laughs> that sound and i have a degree in hitting the wrong button yeah i thought that was the one thing you did learn to do in your degree (laughs) that is something when we were first dating uh should i say this i think you were more snobby about stuff you went to a really high-end exclusive i went to a fancy all girls college um and i went to kent state which is you know i'm just gonna say it not it's not a highly ranked university, right? And especially it's a solid public state university. But it's a public state university. Uh, but my degree is—it wasn't even in communications. It was in the school of communications. But it was very specifically. I graduated with a degree in radio, television production. And I remember when I was first. Why did you go to you, DeVry? I know you always said you're like you basically have a trade degree. You said that. I to said me, that to you. Oh God, all oh the my time. God, what you don't an remember that. Yeah, was. you were kind of an asshole. But it worked. You negged me. And here we are, 18 years later. I don't think I needed to neg you to get you to be interested in me. All right. Please call us. Uh, we do not have any jingles this week, as you may have noticed. So somebody please rectify that. Call 607-444-5597. That's 607-444-5597. Do you think it would encourage people if I sang the phone number in the form of a jingle? Sure. 607-444-5597. No, we actually have a jingle. I know, but it's on the other. Six zero seven triple four fifty five nine seven. Also, yeah. After these messages is after your messages. I Call six zero seven triple four fifty five nine seven, or email us after these messages show at Gmail, or friend us on the Facebook group. I love that I tricked you into singing. I don't have to be tricked. I was like, I go out once a week and do it on purpose. How about I sing and then I do a really bad job and then you take over for me? Like when my dad would try to um, get me to vacuum the the basement, I'd be like, I don't know, vacuum it like this, daddy. Give me that thing. And then he would start <laughs> vacuuming the way he wanted to. Then he would do half the job himself. Uh, all right, everybody. What a fun show. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Don't forget our buddy Hannah Brooks Olson will be here. If you have any thoughts on cleaning-related yes, commercials, at, ones you us. love, ones you hate, please send them our way. We would really love to have a whole bunch of stuff from you next week. And uh, we will talk to you uh, then. That is next Tuesday. That is Election Day. Don't forget to vote. What good is all your money if your style's still tasteless? I celebrate the fact I moved into my mama's basement. I don't pay rent. I sell old books for new ones. New fives, two jobs. So-